0: Hello and welcome to the show. This is the j and podcast from j and Editorial. I'm Michael Casp, Director of Business Development at j and And in this episode of the podcast, I'm gonna to talk to a member of our industry who also happens to work here at j and One of the great things about working at j and is that I have easy access to people who are doing the work to shape our profession through their work with publishing societies that support all of us who have made scholarly publishing a career. Today, I'll talk to Colin Trumbull, the new co-editor-in-chief of EON, which is Editorial Office News. EON is the member magazine published by the International Society of Managing and Technical Editors, or ISMTE, as it's generally known. Colin has worked at J&J for several years now, and in his time here, he's managed editorial projects, developed internal training material for staff and is now serving in a newly developed role as our staffing resource manager, which supports our operations director with recruiting and onboarding staff as we grow. I'm looking forward to hearing how he will bring all of his past experiences into his new role as co-EIC at EON. And with that, let's get to the interview with Colin.
1: All right. Hi, Colin.
0: How is pandemic life treating you?
1: Hey, Michael. Uh you know, it's, it's, it's treating me. I think uh, (laughs) someone put it pretty well on Facebook that uh, I'm getting real tired of being part of a historic moment. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I think I've, I've gone through every fad diet that there possibly is to go through. So, you know, we're all learning lessons.
0: We are, we are. I am currently trying to run more because I'm not good at dieting, but I can exercise at times. So I spent about a year mostly eating and not moving, and so now I'm trying to flip the script a little bit there.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I think that (laughs) that was definitely the motivator behind some fad dieting, for sure. All right.
0: Well, let's uh, get into this conversation, but before uh, we talk about your work on Eon, which I'm really interested in, uh, I definitely wanted to talk a bit about your new-ish role here at J&J as our staffing resources manager. So. Can you tell me a little bit about like how this role came to be, what you do and and what you're working on?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think that the company really realized that we were getting to a place where, especially with our growth, that it didn't really the way that we had managed our staff before was becoming less and less effective because, um, you know, as you get larger, there's just so much more management and oversight that's needed to manage really the most valuable resource that we have at the company and that's our people, you know, we're, we're so uh, personally connected and, and really the work that we do is based on the relationships that we have so we really emphasize the value of our people and, you know, taking care of them and making sure that we can make moves that that really work for them so. Um, you know, I, I applied for that position and, and shared my my goal, which was really to provide exactly that resource that I talked about. You know, give us an opportunity to really connect with new hires from the day that we bring them on board and really universalize what we're looking at for uh, the company as a whole and really give them an opportunity to see this is uh, what you can expect from working at j and And this is the, the path that we have for you to really advance your career because I really think that one of the biggest things that we do at j is emphasize this, this element of professional development. And I think it's really helpful to have a person who you know can work with managers to help make sure that that development continues to move forward and that we're addressing the needs of our clients and of the company, but also addressing the needs of the employee. So that's really what I've been excited about. And um, I think that's kind of guided how we uh, have started working on the projects you know we've started just sort of taking inventory of of the of the staff we have currently and their goals and objectives that managers might have for them. and then we're looking at ways that we can maybe redistribute some tasks or you know help push people forward. so that's really been the the emphasis that we focused on so far
0: I think it's really great that we've put this role together because I know this responsibility often did fall with our uh, director of operations and yeah as we've grown as we've gotten busier like, it made sense to sort of break this out because it is such a core, important piece uh, for J&J and, and just part of our basic philosophy of of professional development, like you said. So you're kind of like... Are almost czar of professional development, or at least maybe that's the, the grand vision of the role once we're able to develop it beyond uh, where it's at right now since it is pretty new. But uh, no, I'm really excited to see what you're able to do because we, we have a lot of professional development things going on at, at the company. But having someone whose job it is almost to like make sure all of this aligns with J&J's goals, with our staff's goals, we, we just haven't really had that person in place in the past. So that's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's really cool to to be able to say that as a company we were fortunate enough to have, you know, been able to continue to grow through, you know, this very trying time through the pandemic. I don't think that every company is in that, you know, uh, fortunate position to be able to say that, and so it's really cool to continue seeing the company growing and evolving in that way. And I think it's only natural that as we continue to grow, things are going to split off, like you said, and and that's it's pretty exciting to see, and, and it's really cool to see that you know the the upper management and the the executive leadership is really in on board with hearing the the ideas of the company and really taking those into account as we grow. I don't know that every company asks for so much feedback from, you know, literally every single employee, but I think that's really a great element of the the company. And I, I don't know that this position would have come up if, you know, we weren't so open to that feedback. So I think it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Well, it's enough patting ourselves on the back for that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I am. So, uh, Give me a little of your background, because I definitely want people to have a context to know where you're coming from professionally. So tell me about your uh, background in publishing and and what kind of projects you've worked on.
1: Yeah, so I, uh, as as most people um, in the editorial department, I started as an editorial assistant working on the uh, American Chemical Society's nanoscience journal, ACS Nano. And it's funny because I've actually come full circle and now I am the uh, client manager who manages that journal. Um, But I started there and, you know, really sort of cut my teeth on the publishing industry. I think like many people, I didn't really know a lot about the industry before I started, but it was really a great opportunity to really get my feet wet and understand what this whole industry is about. And then I moved on to more, you know, personally managed projects where I might be managing, uh, you know, a couple of editors. I worked on the Environmental Science and Technology Journal for ACS, and sort of worked my way up that way. And finally, I was given an opportunity to lead the team and come back to ACS Nano and lead the team that manages that project. So I really have been very American Chemical Society focused, but I think, uh, again, through all of the opportunities that we really have in the day-to-day to expand our knowledge, it's really been a great way to really build a strong foundation of understanding of the industry overall, and uh, hopefully be able to apply those lessons to you know, other ways that I, I manage uh, different projects now.
0: And I know I think what you're alluding to, or at least in part, is um, some of the uh, interaction you've had with some of our various publishing societies that, w- that we uh, work with here uh, at J&J and, and contribute to. So I know that you are very involved with ISMTE, the International Society of Managing and Technical Editors. So tell me a little bit about that organization and, and so that our listeners can know a little bit more about it, its place in our industry and what value it has for, for the people.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That this is definitely one of the the resources I've really benefited a lot from, and and feel you know very proud to be able to now give a little bit back to. But I think that ISMTE, like many of the societies that we have, but ISMTE in particular, really gives you. Uh, A different perspective from people who are doing the exact same job that you are. I think that if you look at some other societies, you know you're getting feedback from editors and publishers and things which are hugely beneficial, but there's always that value of being able to, you know, collectively commiserate with your your peers and colleagues who are doing effectively the exact same job that you are. And, uh, you know, you, you can share best practice tips and, you know, tricks that are really only apply to your day and day. And I think that's really something that is really, really valuable from ISMTE and, you know, really gives you that that broader understanding of the of the industry as a whole. You know, I think that if it weren't for societies like ISMTE, my understanding would be very limited to what the American Chemical Society does, which is fairly large, but I think that if we want to Gain an understanding of a broader sense of what the industry is doing. We really have to link into these societies that are, you know, international and pull in all of these different perspectives from all these different levels of expertise and levels in the production chain that really sharpen our understanding of what we're doing. So I think it's really been one of the biggest things that has had an impact on my development externally from JNJ for sure
0: i know i get a lot out of our ismte memberships i read eon when the new issues come out and one of the reasons sort of speaking to your point is it gives you like good actionable information and and i just <laughs> love being able to like take something and apply it directly to to what i'm doing so Knowing that uh, you are now a co-editor-in-chief of Eon, I think that sounds really cool. So it sounds like it's your opportunity to kind of start giving back. I'm sure you've done other things, so maybe it's not the start, but to give back to the ISMTE community that it sounds like you've gotten a lot from. Um, And I'm just personally kind of really interested in uh, what it is you do as the co-EIC of Eon. Like, what does that entail? What does a, a day in the life look like?
1: It is a, a really cool process. And this is something that Eon has started doing recently with this co-EIC relationship. So my co-editor-in-chief is Lindsay Bronstein. And the way they've been doing this is a two-year rotation where in your first year, you're kind of... Uh, you know, learning from the more established editor. So I, I really work directly with with Lindsay and take a lot of her advice and, you know, experience that she's had uh, doing this position before. And then in the second year, you sort of rotate up and become the EON chair for the leadership committees. You really sort of take more of that leadership role. I think Lindsay and I share it, but really the day in the life looks like, I guess, kind of what you would expect, but uh, procuring content, that's a huge thing. We work on fairly rigid timelines. So a lot of it is following up with people who said they'd submit a paper to us and, you know, trying to get that in by the deadline. And really also, I think taking a step back and looking at that, that macro image of what we really want EON to be, because I think at when it started, it was you know definitely just a, a newsletter, but it's, it's evolved and grown. And my goal is to really contribute to that and help that continue to develop. So, I mean, really a lot of it is interfacing with ISMT board, the editorial board for EON, and really trying to pull in as many different perspectives and opportunities as we can to, you know, really reflect the diverse and really wide reaching body that ISMTE has as, as a membership base. That's really been my biggest thing is, is interfacing and networking with people who, you know, I may not have thought of otherwise and getting them involved in EON and pulling their expertise and, and getting it on the page. That's really what what I've been focusing on.
0: Very cool. And yeah, that does sound like what I would have guessed, but I I didn't know. I know as as someone, I I have been requested to write things for Eon in the past. So I figured it was somebody on the other end. I mean, obviously there's someone on the other end making that request and tracking, making sure I actually write the thing on time, uh, which I don't think I did, but
1: uh, (laughs) I did my best. You're not the only one. (laughs) No, get out of here. (laughs) People missing their deadlines. Right. Shocking. No, but I, I do think it's, it's very cool. And we're always so understanding because again, this is volunteer work. We're all, we all sort of make it our priorities to be as busy as possible. It seems. So it makes sense that, uh, you know, we have to we have to chase people. But as you said, you know, you've you've written for Eon, you read Eon. The quality of articles that we're getting is, is really so high that uh, we're we're generally just blown away by it and, and more than happy to to make arrangements to make sure that we can wait for for that content to come in. Because, you know, again, I think this really speaks to what I love about ISMTE, and that is. We all bring something that can build and contribute to what we have going on, and we want to give those opportunities for everyone's voice to be heard and everyone to have that contribution that is so important. So, you know, it, it is a bit of chasing people, but we can't be more appreciative for the for the work that that everyone does to bring Eon together. It's certainly not just me and Lindsey.
0: Well, I do want to know a little bit more uh, about the process of how you do put these Eon issues together so but first uh, maybe some stats like how often do you publish Uh,
1: yeah so we are uh, monthly publishing um, which means we line up the issue pretty much a month before uh, we want it to publish which you know is a pretty tight deadline you don't realize how short a month is until you're on a a rotating monthly uh, deadline but Uh, we we make it work we we usually want to give us that leeway to to make sure we can get the issue together and uh, finalized in that month so uh, monthly we've been doing so far and it it seems to be working really well
0: great and so so you uh, just curious do you already have the articles like written and in hand when you're doing the lineup or is there some sort of like a hope and a dream that this uh, (laughs) draft is going to come in when we think it's going to
1: a little bit of both i think in an ideal world we'd have a bit of that back backed up pipeline where we know you know this is slated for the may issue or something like that but i think we're definitely pretty good at at rolling with it and knowing that delays are going to come up we have other content that we can pull from if we need to but it definitely is a little bit of both sometimes we have really anticipated articles that we know will be coming for this issue and we can really highlight and make make very special. But other times it's really just pulling from what we have available and trying to combine it in a way that that makes sense and again we're fortunate enough that we usually get enough submissions that we do have at least a few slated for each issue which makes it much easier to plan around for sure
0: yeah no it's nice to have that sort of baseline of content that you can add on to and it'd be a bonus if you get some other things in but uh, you're not depending on like this one thing coming in to make or break your your (laughs) that's, that's good
1: Lindsay and I have had You know, several conversations already where we're like, "All right, let's let's talk about July because we don't want to get caught off guard before July (laughs) comes." And uh, you know, preparing something I didn't really realize is that a lot of our submission cycle sort of mirrors that. Of of journals, or at least I guess is maybe inverted. So when journals are really busy, we're not really getting submissions. But when journals sort of die down a little bit, you know, early summer or middle of the summer when things, you know, kind of slow, then we get a, a rush of submissions. And so it's all about strategically placing articles so that we can make it through the the ebbs and flows for sure.
0: Oh, that's very interesting. I never thought about that, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't imagine. You're getting a ton of submissions when every managing editor is prepping for an annual meeting or editorial exactly. board meeting or anything. That's just not going to happen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So can you speak a little bit more about what you what you do think about as, you, as you're planning issues beyond the just like, we got to make sure we have July covered as far as like contents and, and other process things?
1: Yeah. So uh, something that Lindsay and I do every month is uh, we sit down and we sort of talk about developing trends in the industry that we think are worth discussing. We're, we're looking at a piece right now about the changes to the impact factor calculation. You know, so we really like to keep our, our ear to the ground and pick up on things that really are pressing and important issues in the industry that you know we either have some sort of an editorial opinion on or you know think it's just important to get the information out and really explain it as as we understand the situation, but we also really want to give some focus to open access journal or articles, Um, so we. Typically, we'll choose one article every issue that we make open access, you know, most of the articles are closed off to members only as a a benefit of joining ISMTE, but we also want to choose one of those articles to make sure that everyone has access to it, even if they're not a member. Um, And that's always a pretty big discussion because, you know, some people have institutional requirements that require that any work they publish be open access, while others just really care about the the information that they're providing and really want it to be accessible to everyone. So managing that is always a bit of a a diplomatic and, and political game, but it's also really rewarding because it means that we can really have an influence on getting something really important out to a broader audience, which I think is really cool. But again, also just thinking about how does this whatever this content is, how does it apply to the industry as a whole? How, are people gonna be interested in it? Is it gonna be something that will really spark a discussion or is it just sort of something that we sort of wanna go over quickly? I think we always talk about that in our monthly meetings and trying to decide what kind of content we go for, what kind of content we wanna put together and you know what the general trend of the issue is gonna be.
0: One of the things I love about Eon and just ISMTE content in general is it always feels very useful. As I mentioned before, it's it's something I can almost immediately apply to a project I'm working on, like mm-hmm. Megan McDevitt's articles on Excel features or, or yeah. Jason Roberts' data-driven investigations on on peer review tactics and workflows. Um, those kinds of things just offer immediate value. Right. So, so that's whenever I, I think about ISMTE, whenever I talk about. ISMT, like those are the kinds of things that I, I I tell people about. It's like this stuff is just so applicable to like your everyday job. So is this something you you explicitly like make a focus, or is this just so ingrained in the DNA of ISMT? You don't even really have to think about. It. It's just like, of course, that's what we do.
1: Yeah, I think I think the the latter is probably true. I think that ISMTE has ha- has always been that that home for you know applicable practical tips and tricks for the the work that we do and since it's so deeply revolves around that work i think it's just natural that you know all of the content that we produce kind of involves that a little bit as well but i do think alongside that we also are very very conscientious of the content that we do put out and you know we do want it to be applicable we do want it to to reach a broad body of people um because ISMTE is really fortunate to be very diverse, and I think that that's always kind of a challenge. How do we address the diversity and, and provide something that's really generally appealing, while also specific enough that it will really be that, that light bulb that, that really helps clarify someone's day. An example of what I'm talking about came from not EON in particular, but an expansion of ISMTE, the the national conferences. I learned about a text expander software that I actually wrote an article in EON about uh, for the the upcoming April issue, but um, that literally changed my day-to-day work in the most dramatic way of anything that I've learned from ISMTE. And I, I get a little email every month that tells me how much time it saves me. And it saves me like eight hours a month. And that is solely because of a trick that I learned through ISMTE and Eon. So that's really what energizes me and gets me really excited. And that's what I think we're trying to push out as well.
0: I love that. Now, one of my new hobby horses is using tech smarter. So like finding these, these inefficiencies of the ways that we do things, because we're just doing them the way we've always done them. And when there's now a tech solution that can save you eight hours a month, and it's just like, yeah, we should all be doing that. So, so exactly. that's that's one of the things that I'm constantly bringing up in our executive team meetings, where it's like, hey, maybe we're not doing things. Maybe just sending an odd email here and there isn't the most efficient way to like, you know, holistically attack uh, the the responsibilities and projects that we're working on. So, uh, right. no, that, that's that's again why I love Eon and ISMTE because, uh, yeah, these little these little hacks. Um, really do make
1: a difference especially when you start
0: stacking them together
1: exactly and and what i what i love is that there is no you know cookie cutter solution we all have tricks that can be helpful but we all see a different part of the of the puzzle overall and so we understand some piece that's really helpful but someone else you know understands a piece that they touch all the time and the way that, that we work and are, are structured is, is we synergize those things together and we say, all right, well, here's what I do and here's what you do. And combined, we have now you know produced a workflow that is way better than the two to get uh, separately. And I, I love that element of IST. I think that that is really directly applicable to the work that we do and, and really, really rewarding. So I love that.
0: So tell me a little bit more about how you generate these uh, article ideas. Uh, I mean, like I I keep telling you how much I love them and <laughs> and I'm really curious just how do you keep coming up with these ideas that are applicable that that do really help people in their day.
1: So, one thing that I think we've really been involved in doing is actively soliciting content from people who share interesting ideas. You know, it's it's always kind of keeping your eye out for, would this be a good Eon piece? You know, you're always thinking in the back of your mind, you know, you may just be having a conversation, but is this something that that could apply to everyone? Um, and, and what you find is that, again, everyone kind of has a piece that they can apply to that, that they can help with. So, you know, the, the key there is really figuring out what that piece is for them and how they could apply it to ISMT as a whole. And then, Do they have the time to write that article and, if not, who can I connect with to to get that piece done, so I think it's it's again you know. Keeping our ear to the ground uh, figuring out what general trends are going on in the industry how technology is impacting the work that we do how the technology is changing um, and then looking to find people producing something on that on that subject and uh really looping them into the the eon pipeline and then once you have that one piece that's really impactful from them we can develop that relationship and and hopefully get more content from them later down the line so it's really about establishing those connections and then maintaining those relationships over time
0: so what is your vision so you're in your kind of first year, you're learning the ropes, you're getting involved. And, and then it sounds like next year, you'll, you'll take more of a leadership role than, than you even have already. So what is your vision for Eon going forward? What kinds of articles do we have to look forward to?
1: So I mean that I, I have a tendency to get a little bit uh, farsighted and uh, uh, you know, have have a lot of uh, ambition when it comes to these things. But that's
0: why I asked this question.
1: <laughs> um, I, I really see that as I mentioned, you know, Eon started as a newsletter, but I think we're seeing a push towards, more formalized publication or or resembling more of a formalized publication and i really want to you know continue to bring that to the to the forefront but also continue to let eon be a platform for more people to have their voice be heard and share opinions about things that maybe are more tangentially related to the industry, but also really relevant to society as a whole. You know, one of the big things that I think we've seen in the industry that I'm really excited about are all of these DNI initiatives that I think, you know, we're kind of seeing across the, the spectrum of, of uh, industries right now. But I think that's something that's really big in publications in general. And I'd love to use Eon as a platform to Talk about the lessons that we've learned from that, or highlight some of the things that J&J are doing because of that, or highlight some of the things that, you know, the entire industry has been working on to, to address those things. So I really want Eon to become a platform for, again, continuing that uh, applicable tips and tricks that, that we've always loved from Eon, but also expanding it to really be a platform to talk about important issues not just in scholarly publishing but that apply to scholarly publishing because they apply to the the broader society i think that's kind of the dream and i, I really hope that by soliciting more content and more actively reaching out to all these different people we can really bring that uh, to real realization
0: sounds like a beautiful vision I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh more content like that because yeah I'm... As you know, I'm, I'm very interested in, in diversity and inclusion topics, and and I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, throughout our industry, because our industry seems pretty receptive to that um, from everything I've seen, so I'll, I'll be excited to see more of that in Eon as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm, I'm glad that, that that resonates with you, because I think what we see is there really is a hunger to have opportunities to talk about these things and, and understand more about what's going on. And, you know, we really just want to provide more resources for that to happen or for those conversations that really need to happen to happen. And I think Eon is a great platform for that.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I can't wait to see the like day to day application of DNI values. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's something like that already, but I'll look forward to seeing more. Sure. Um, So uh, recently, as I was sort of putting this plan for this conversation together, I saw that ISMTE had made back issues of Eon Free to read for the public. So no more uh, membership wall uh, for a lot of issues. What can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, I think that this kind of ties into this inclusion piece, but I think it's really a drive to, you know, make some of the great content that we've developed over time for Eon, make it free to the public and make it a resource that everyone everyone can you know lean on and depend on obviously you know if you want the most up-to-date most cutting-edge stuff you got to get that ISMT membership you know there there are some perks there for joining but as as you said we have we have so much information from the past that is still relevant you know excel breakdowns and uh, data reports and things like that that they're it's kind of a a waste if we can't give them to everyone once we've kind of uh, let a a, a resting period die down. So I think that it's really been a goal of ours to increase readership of Eon and really, again, increase that engagement. And the way that you do that is by making the content more available so that more people understand what you're trying to do and can get involved in the discussion. Um, And again, I think that ties into how we manage eon you don't need to be an ismte member to publish an eon that's not something that's required and so we kind of want to make sure that those resources are available to people outside of eon so again we can pull in uh we can pull in more perspectives and more experience outside of you know what we've done normally so i'm really excited that um, this is an opportunity for us to you know have a little bit more broad appeal and uh, hopefully become part of the part of the discussion i'd, I'd love to see at some point, that we're sort of like a, a scholarly kitchen esque uh, publication, and I think we're headed in that direction. And I think this is a, a great way to add to that.
0: Just curious, what is the sort of resting period that that like basically when, how far back are things free, and when does the membership wall go up?
1: Yeah, so the membership wall is anything that's. Within the last two years, that's going to be locked behind a, a paywall. But you know, now every everything that that ages into that that older than two years category will be uh, freely available. Oh, that's great!
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I know I, I've reached out to ISMTE leadership in the past and mean like can I just share this old stuff with people in my company? <laughs> like we're, uh, like half of the company are ISMTE members, it feels like. So it should be okay. And They're like, yeah, that, that's fine. Just don't spread it publicly. And now it's right. some of the old stuff. They're like, yeah, just everybody should read this. And yeah. So I'm excited about that. Uh, not, not for the least of which, because I, mm-hmm. I run our J&J social media feeds and that gives me more right. content to post onto our social media feeds that um, I think Is really going to be useful for our audience
1: and i i think that that speaks to a key thing that i really love about the industry as a whole and that is how interconnected we all are you know it feels like a really broad industry that we work in but you realize that it can be made much smaller through the internet and through the networking that we have and it's just really awesome to see that you know, we'll be having some sort of cloistered off conversation and inevitably someone will get pulled in that we all have a common connection with, even though it's from different sources. And I think that rings true across the industry as a whole and really, again, ties into that communal aspect that I think ISMT really stands for and really encourages is getting to understand the industry that we live in and work in and how interconnected it truly is and really uh, utilizing that to our benefit, which I really, really love.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, every year that goes by that I'm in this industry, it feels a little smaller because I just I keep running into the same people over and over again unexpectedly. So um, that's been a lot of fun uh, because, yeah, when you first start, you're like, wow, this is huge. And then you're in it for 10 years like me and you're like, wow, I know most of the people in this industry now. and This is really cool. And one exactly. of the reasons I am really I really miss having in-person mm-hmm. annual meetings for like ISMTE, CSE, SSB, like I miss seeing like these people I've known for 10 years now. Like, yeah, I just, I love hanging out and <laughs> catching up with them in person because now everything's a scheduled Zoom call and right. that's not nearly as fun.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to having those opportunities again. And I mean, really, that's how, I met a lot of you know journal contacts at societies or things like that is through these these in person meetings and I think that you know not only is it just very gratifying and and it's just really awesome to to get to know those people but also you know it's it's really really important for developing the relationships that are important for the work that we do again it's all so relational that if you can't have opportunities to make those relationships you're kind of you're missing a big part of it so uh, again I. I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to get back at those. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's
0: all about relationships. I, th- I think that's that's something that's become even more clear than it was before the pandemic is yeah. how important these connections to each other are. So I, I did want to, to, as we start bringing this in for a close, to, uh, just ask you, what um, publishing trends are you looking at right now? What are you keyed into? What are you following?
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think uh, I'm going to sound perhaps a bit like a broken record, but I think it all kind of ties together. But I'm really interested in open access and how that is evolving in the industry and also what that means for diversity and inclusion, you know, because I think those two things go hand in hand. I don't think you can have a truly diverse and inclusive, uh, you know, scientific body Unless you you take strides to make work open access and make it available to to everyone from any institution or any any group, um, and so I, I'm really interested in seeing you know how how Plan S takes shape. I know that we're starting to see a little bit more of of how that's developing, and we're we're starting to see more societies really stepping up and and taking on a new set of open access projects. You know, the American Chemical Society just launched their open access AU titles, which I think is really cool. And we're starting to see this this push for, you know, really making the science that you know is groundbreaking in many ways, making it available to so many people. And I think that we've seen a huge benefit from that through the COVID pandemic. I, I think that the fact that we've been able to share so much about vaccines or masks has really helped us manage the issue in a much more effective and hopefully efficient way. And, and I, I'm happy to see that the industry understands their role there and wants to you know help make that a possibility and and figure out the ways that we can still support a for-profit industry while you know making it more open and inclusive to other people so those, I think, are really the two things that I'm really, really interested in, um, you know, the open access, and then how do we make the publishing industry that supports the sciences as diverse as the sciences that we're representing, because we we get papers from all over the world, and we should represent people from all over the world, and I think that's, that's really cool, and we see from pretty much every society, we see some sort of drive to make that more of, a, of an emphasis in how we work. And I, I love seeing that.
0: Yeah, it, it is really interesting to be in an industry that is kind of going through a cultural evolution to a degree. Yeah. I mean, as as I was entering the industry, open access, was the big talk because you know it was not that long after PLOS had made their big splash and right. and everybody started <laughs> focusing on them and open access in general. And then to see that play out over the last decade or so as people it's almost become a given at this point where it's like, yeah, of course we're going to try to do something open access like you said, everybody's trying to do something and and from from my perspective, it, it's been really interesting to see, how people are developing new business models to support this because, um, because it's a hard, it's a hard problem. I mean, you know, shifting, you know, centuries old business models and updating them to uh, uh, something that's really quite different is not easy. And and I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, they want to go away, but they can't figure out how to make the numbers work or in some cases I've seen where open access, like, uh, Actually makes it harder for some people to access, or at least to publish. You know, especially you know, um, journals that are supported by APCs, like mm-hmm. that can you know block out a lot of people who previously could publish in this journal, but now they can't afford an APC. And I know there's exceptions and, and things like that that a lot of journals offer, but but just seeing how people are trying to attack this problem and. I guess they're, they're individual perspectives when they are, because some people are very focused on, you know, sort of the diversity, the inclusion, you know, making sure as many people can publish and read these things as possible. And other people are just like, we're just trying to make the numbers work. You know, right. we're, we're, we're really focused on the bottom line and open access is important. And, and and so it is interesting to see the different strategies and angles people are taking on this um, because yeah. it, it, it's not a solved problem. Nobody has a, perfect solution to any of this so it's it's cool to see people experiment with different ideas
1: yeah yeah and and to your point you know I I I would be remiss if I didn't say that uh, I would be very much dissatisfied if I learned that somehow the publishing industry was no longer profitable because well that may have negative ramifications for my own employment but I do think you're right that it's it's and and again i think you can draw some connections to to what we do in the industry as a whole but there is no cookie cutter solution i don't think but we all have a piece of of what's important and we all can contribute that and figure out how to actually make this work and how the structure that is so important to you know not just our work but the work that scientists do how their careers progress all of that is very important and we need to pull everyone's perspective in to be able to talk about that and i think that that really connects to why i see this as a dni issue because it's all about making sure that we can address all of these issues make sure that it's all covered and you know we can figure out some solution that hopefully encompasses everything or at least is a fair compromise for every party involved and i I love seeing that you know we're taking this sort of collaborative communal effort to to try and figure it out together
0: and and that's one of the great things about groups like ISMTE that are, are everybody's looking at this problem, and and it's just nice to have a, a place where we can all just kind of put our heads together and and talk about the various concerns from from a diverse set of perspectives. So yeah, uh, I think it's important work uh, that we're all doing here, and and you're sort of at, at one of the focal points there as as the EIC sure. on. So uh, I appreciate you talking with me today. Um, is there anything you would like to plug or promote
1: yeah so the biggest thing um again this one's going to be a shocker to you but uh if you are at all interested in uh Soliciting some content for Eon, uh, please feel free to email me. Uh, My email is colin at jjeditorial.com. Please definitely don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to get you involved. I'll send you some more information if you are interested um, and we can work out a timeline there because again, I really wanna use this as an opportunity to bring in as many different voices and perspectives as we can. So that's the biggest plug for me, Um, but sort of tied onto that uh keep an eye out for the upcoming issue of eon the uh april issue there are some some big pieces from our early career committee for ismte which is uh headed by j&j's own uh, mary kate cornegie so definitely make sure to check that out it's it's uh definitely an upcoming column that we're seeing more and more content from for the the early career committee. So uh, I'm really excited about that coming to Eon and uh, seeing more content really geared towards early career folks. So definitely look out for that. And again, if you have any content that you want to send our way, or you think we might be interested in, please shoot me an email and I'll I'll make sure to get back to you and uh, send you some specifics.
0: Wonderful. No, I appreciate that. Um, And to, finish this off on something a little fun. I'm, I'm trying to find a good question to kind of end on. Um, what's something you're currently learning about or are really
1: interested in? So this might highlight uh, how basic I am, but through the pandemic, as many people have, I've turned to uh, to Netflix Uh, streaming services. And I recently watched through this little number, uh, the Queen's Gambit, which has reignited my passion as it has for many people in chess um, and realizing just how bad I am at it. But I am determined to get better and I will break my 500 rating on chess.com I will I will persevere but uh, that's that's what I've been really really into right now um I play mostly with my brother and he stomps me every single time but one of these days I will I will beat him I think our record is like uh, 76 and 0 right now but you know that tide has to turn at some point point.
0: and that's good you want to play against somebody who's better than you that's how you get better right
1: that's the argument. <laughs> i'm not sure that i'm learning any lessons but it's it's humbling for sure. so so it's it's had its value and uh you know it's it's easier than ever to get involved in so i do quite enjoy it but one of these days i'll i'll win and then i'll never play again because i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> repeat
0: that's right you got to go out on top well i I'm, I'm here rooting for you supporting you um if Thank you ever want to play a game maybe we can set something up and and you'll probably beat me so maybe maybe you just need a little confidence oh, Bruce, yes
1: yes i i like the sounds of this well yeah we'll definitely have to link up and uh you know, uh, figure that out.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds like a lot of fun. All right, great. Well, thank you, Colin, very much for uh, joining me on this and telling us a little bit about what you're doing these days. Um, And I am going to... Reach out and ask you a little bit more about that text expander tool because yeah. I'm very curious about this. I could I could use an extra eight hours a month. that would be amazing. So.
1: For sure. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. I'll I'll be happy to uh, send you my my affiliate code. I don't think I have one, of those, <laughs> but uh, now I, I'm sure I caused a conflict of interest. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure as always to, to talk with you, Michael. And um, you know, let me know if uh, if you have any other EON or ISMT questions. i I'm, I'm always happy to talk about it.
0: Thanks so much, Colin Trump.
1: Thank you.